My name is Sherrick and this is Amelia. And Sherrick, what are you doing? The podcast that as soon as they have the ability to get riders is going to have peanut butter and jelly buffet bars in their riders for any time they travel. <laughs> You're making me hungry and I just ate. <laughs> so um, Steph and I were actually listening to this other podcast, not to advertise any other podcast on our podcast, but like they, um, or was it maybe maybe it was I don't remember who was like on a pod. No, it was it wasn't a podcast. It was an episode of Food Theory. Um, shout out to Matt Pat and the team at the Blank Theory because he's got Game Theory and Movie Theory and now Food Theory, and they were talking about how like peanut butter and jelly like buffets and stuff are like a big thing in the in the NBA because apparently it's a very like great snack to have. Mm -hmm. or like thing to have before a game because of like giving you energy and all that kind of stuff yeah and I I may or may not have been eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich so uh, (laughs) that's where that (laughs) came from the rare pull behind the curtain for you on that anyway how y'all been it's great to hear from you (laughs) Amelia how's your week that's the thing that we do to start the podcast so tell us my week was fine I don't really have much to talk about I guess I think on the last podcast I mentioned that I was getting new windows so those Mm -hmm. went in last week and that's nice that's super nice it's quieter in my house which Mm. I didn't know that was possible (laughs) but like when you open a window and all of a sudden you can hear all the noise from outside Mm -hmm. like air conditioning running or like you know that kind of stuff you realize like how quiet it is inside (laughs) yeah what else what else did I do I don't know I've just been kind of cleaning up my house a lot getting rid of stuff trying to reorganize um, my home office so applied for a job sort of starting to get that ball rolling and yeah I don't know I don't know what will happen. I am sort of ready to go back to work. I'm also sort of like, do we have to work as a society? Can I just like stay home and read and watch TV all day, every day? (laughs) Except that that gets like really, I don't know. Like, I love that, but I also can't just do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, money. So so yeah, we will we will see how that pans out. Wish me luck on the yeah, job hunt. All the luck wish. Yeah, Sherrick, how was your week? So honestly, I don't have anything to really talk about as far as my week is concerned for me specifically. But I will say this, and this has almost become like an Amelia's wrestling corner bit, but like <laughs> SummerSlam. Uh, I don't not we're not gonna fucking talk about SummerSlam okay <laughs> um actually, I just knew it was happening and that's the mm-hmm. only thing I know about wrestling <laughs> so the funny so uh, actually funny that you mentioned that so like I was like kind of gearing up for the weekend on th- like uh, on Thursday and someone that's a friend of mine that's a big wrestling fan mentioned they basically asked me if I was watching SummerSlam on Saturday and it made me pause because I was like wait you mean Sunday? And he said, no, it's on Saturday. And I went, what? Like, like, why didn't I like, maybe it's because I just don't watch WWE that much anymore or pay that close attention that I was just like, uh-huh. they're seriously going to do it on Saturday instead of Sunday. And I think it had to do with like a, 
Manny Pacquiao fight. But anyway, the, the day that I actually want to talk about is Friday. Okay. And that's because All Elite Wrestling had their one-hour show called Rampage in the United Center in Chicago. Okay. Which, like, in and of itself is like, okay, cool. They had an event. Like, like that's probably what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They have been, in like, they've been riding the line between being subtle and overt with the fact that a person who has not been in wrestling in seven years by the name of CM Punk, real name Phil Brooks, um, oh, was yes, going I to be at their event. Yeah. Yeah. So he has not wrestled since, like, 2014 or so. He left WWE... They famously fired him on his wedding day. They basically sent him the letter on his wedding day that he was no longer a part of the roster because he basically was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going home after some booking decisions and just like mounting tensions between the company and himself. Um, And so basically all elite wrestling would not out and out confirm he was going to be there, but it was like an, like, but it was by design, a terribly kept secret that he was going to be there. Uh And so, um, I, being the wrestling fan and curious person that I am, was like, well, I'm going to fucking sit down in front of this, t- this, uh, this computer monitor and watch Rampage. Uh-huh. Um, as someone who doesn't really watch, sit down and watch like the main shows that often I was like, well, you've got my attention because I want to see what happens if they don't have him. And if they do have him, I want to see what he's going to say. Yeah. Um, he, they did the smart play. He came, he was the first act out. Like they were chanting his name. You could hear it all through the stadium. I highly recommend if you are curious whatsoever to look up, you could probably find clips on Twitter or on YouTube. It was like the building was just like unified and chanting for him. And he came up and he talked for about six or so minutes. And then he told everybody in the audience that they could have an ice cream bar on him. And like, sure enough, people actually got like when they left the United Center, got a free ice cream bar on him. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a it's a tie in because like he when he was with WWE, he talked about how he wanted ice cream bars. Oh, okay. Because that's the thing that they used to do back in like the early 90s. But so like he, I mean, he, I don't, he's obviously a big fan of that kind of stuff. So uh, it was really cool that he, he did that. And um, he apparently will be at their next event, which is in Milwaukee. And I will be there for, uh, did not plan that out. A friend of mine was like, Hey, you want to go? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Like it's, it's, it's at this like smaller arena who cares? Like uh-huh. it's, you're not going to cost me a bunch of money. And as long as I'm masked and I keep away from people, I, I think I'll be okay. So yeah, uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm, I think that uh, it's it's very good um, for wrestling as a whole for him to return because he's obviously a very beloved figure in wrestling. So that's really all I have to say about my week. That's that is that he's back and I'm excited to see what happens as a result of it. Gotcha. That's cool. So um, yeah, with, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, that's I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're professional um so this week if you were hoping that um i wasn't going to talk a whole fuck ton more my therapist likes to say that i am verbose and she is very correct uh this may not be the week to listen to us because i'm talking a whole bunch this week your boy is going to talk about anamorphs again he's very excited about it i think the last time we left off we talked about um i want to say megamorphs maybe uh but it, it doesn't matter um so for those of you who don't 
remember or are just tuning in, I highly recommend number one, you go back and start listening to my recaps on Animorphs because I pour a lot of energy into them. I feel like um, they're good and uh, hard thanks. to understand if you haven't listened to the ones before. There'll be some callbacks here and there, but like generally it's probably a good idea to like go back so that you can kind of follow the through line of what's happening. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's a, it's a um, YA book series that came out in the mid to late, uh, well, I'd say the late 1990s through the early 2000s. The about... late 1990s. <laughs> oh God. Oh boy. All right. Well. I've heard, and I don't know. No, you write, you write. But I've heard that there are children that now refer to it as the late 1900s. And that makes oof. me want to just, oof, yeah. Oof, mm-hmm. oof, oof. Yep. <laughs> also, I saw something the other day that was like, 1980 is as far away from today uh-huh. as 1939 was from 1980. And I was like... Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. I understand math. I do know how it works. I understand, but oof. If you I'm think still about sixteen in my head, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about the advancements between the thirty-nine and eighty, and then between like the, basically the two dates that you listed, yeah, it's a little ridiculous how like much we've slowed up recently. Like as far as advancements are concerned, like I think that there's some stuff that has edged like but not the level in which we did from then to you know, those first two dates you know like what mm-hmm. you said 39 to when 80 okay 39 to 80 yeah like uh, yeah i don't know yeah i yeah i think that a lot has advanced in both of those sections of time but but in some ways it's much more noticeable i think yeah first maybe that's what it is maybe that's what it is um so, but anyway, anyway, back to Animorphs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's a book story. It's a book series about these some semi-anonymous kids. You really only know that they live in a world where like things like Radio Shack and McDonald's exist. Um, so it's like supposed to be like our world because they get literally name dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in peace, Radio Shack. Um, whether you are missed or not, we'll see. But... <laughs> And they are, are tasked with uh, fighting a secret alien war that they can't tell their friends and family about because uh, it could be like, it's like invasion of the body snatchers-esque kind of situation where uh, even their their parents, their siblings, their best friends could be controlled by these aliens called Yerks. So uh-huh. there's the short version of it, but uh, the long version of it is, is this uh, humongous book series in, in which we are only at, at uh, book 10 at this point. So book 10 is called The Android. It's got a lovely image of Marco who is doing a very unique like squat pose with his fists down. Okay. Um, that that it's to make it easy for him to uh, visually transform into a tarantula on the cover. So right. I'm assuming that that's what, it, what why he's doing it. It doesn't talk about him doing it in the book. Anyway, point being... Uh, this book is narrated by Marco because that's another uh, like gimmick of the series is that each book is narrated by a different character. So you do get kind of a bit of a different flavor every single book. There are some books that have multiple narrators. I think this one is just Marco. Okay. So where we left off, 
they introduce a new character. His name is Eric, and it's spelled E-R-E-K, which I thought was a very unique, cool way to spell Eric. Yeah, his I name's don't think Eric I've heard King. that one before. Yeah, me neither. So I remember, like, I, I think that was kind of a cool play because, like, I won't forget it because I'm like, it was spelled so uniquely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know why it's spelled the way that it is. Um, and I'll explain to in a little bit. So, uh, so he, he runs into his old buddy, Eric, his, his old friend, Eric, uh, and is like, is like, it's no big deal. Like he's just like an innocuous thing, which I was like, well, something's up with Eric because like, they usually don't give a named character, like a thing, you know, and like, even, even in passing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they're just like, uh, basically Marco, uh, decides that he's going to talk Jake into sneaking into a concert. Uh, and they're like, well, how are we going to do it? And Marco is like, well, we're going to have, like, we've been burdened with this terrible fucking power and secret. So we're going to use it to have fun uh, because that's a teenager thing to do. So they sneak into I the mean... concert. What? No, go ahead. Say what you got to say. No, I just, I, I, um, I, I understand his logic. <laughs> <laughs> there is this, some supreme teenager logic with Marco. That makes yeah. him very human, I feel. Um, yeah. So kudos to K.A. Applegate for making Marco seem like an actual teenage human being and not just like, this is the coolest thing ever. I can transform into a dog. Like, you know, like, <laughs> not to say that anything. They find their joys in transforming sometimes here and there. But like Marco, I feel like is like the most grounded, even though he's like sarcastic as fuck. Anyway, so they well, go. To me, um, that is grounded, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so he he and Jake sneak in as dogs. They see uh, someone handing out a flyer for the sharing, which, uh, as uh, as we'll remind you, uh, that's the one of the Yerk fronts to get people in so that yes. they can be captured and yes. become controllers, which means they have the alien Yerk wrapped in it around their brain inside their head. Um, they find out that the kid that is handing them out is Eric. So they're like, oh, shit, is your buddy Eric a controller? Like, does he know or is he just like not one yet and is about to be, you know, like, Mm -hmm, is it like mm -hmm. a? so Eric sees the dog, dog Marco, and it's like, oh, cool. Hey, doggo, gonna pet you because that's what you do when you see a dog. It's nine times out of 10, the right thing, Um, (laughs) the right thing to do. Now, if you had to wager a guess what makes that suspicious uh, or what would possibly make this suspicious? What would you just a wild stab, just anything that like would make that, 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 that little innocuous, Hey, I'm going to pet you uh, thing potentially suspicious. Um, I'm being vague on purpose. I'm kind of yeah. set, setting you up for failure, but like just take a while. <laughs> I was going to say like, it's a little bit weird that the dog is alone, but I don't know if that's what you're going for. So, um, what do you think, what do you think would be weird about Eric? I guess that, that, that they would find out as a result of him getting pet. I mean, I'll I'll rephrase that question. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't. hmm. Any guess at all. I don't like, cause I can't remember, like, it's been long enough since we talked about Animorphs now that I'm like, I don't remember all of the mechanics. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. So I'm like, so, if he touches him, do they like, do they like get in his head somehow? No. Okay, um, I didn't no. think so, but. Uh, so so it's something that like, 
if you were a dog, it would probably bother you if a human being was missing something, I guess. Okay. Like, what's a dog's, like, most prominent, like, thing? Like, smelling people. Bingo. So, Eric would smell weird? Eric has no smell at all. How do you have no smell at all? Like, how is that a... I, okay, anyway. I get it. That's he's, that's he's a controller yeah. or whatever. Like <laughs> no, he's not a controller. Oh, okay. He's not a controller, and that's why they think it's extra strange because like they can smell other people. Uh huh. Like that doesn't that like being a controller doesn't like change that. It's like oh, the only okay. thing that happens with being a controller is that like you have an alien in your head that can read mm, your thoughts right, and thus right, right. and thus react as you. Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. that's the thing that makes it so hard for them is that like jake's brother tom is a controller and no one else knows because nothing different has happened other than tom now has like an interest in the sharing which like his friends and parents are like oh he's getting interested in like you know youth activities like how cool is that like good for you son you know but marco was like uh i can't smell him and there's smells coming from everywhere i'm a dog i can tell and so they're like this is fucking weird so Marco meets up with Tobias, who I will remind you is stuck as a, as a red-tailed hawk because he broke the rule um, yep. that you, you can't stay in more for longer than two hours. Um, so Tobias ends up flying out to spy on Eric because they're like, well, now he, we got to pay attention to this person because he's weird as shit. He literally doesn't have a scent, like what's going on. And uh, he Tobias happens to spot Eric getting hassled by some bullies. And... Uh, okay. Eric decides to uh, do the fleeing part uh, of the the flight, uh, fight or flight part. He runs away from the bullies. He gets away from them. And Tobias, he doesn't get away from Tobias because he doesn't know he's being watched. He trips, he sprawls into the street and gets hit by a bus. Oh, fuck. And when he gets hit by a bus, he disappears. And something metal is there. And then he's back and he acts like nothing has happened. Oh, and Tobias is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Eric is not a real boy. <laughs> Eric is very much not a real boy. So to recap for you, they were like, this boy don't got no smell. What happened? Then uh, Tobias is like, don't worry. I will use my hawk eyes on him. He trips into the side of a fucking bus. The bus gets dented. He glitches and then he's totally fine. Marco goes home, tells Jake, tries to tell Jake, but Tom answers the phone. And Tom is like, hey, buddy, why don't you come to the sharing? And Marco's like, I would rather chew on glass, but he doesn't actually say that. So, and the thing that, that happens with that phone call is that Tom basically tries to invite Marco and his dad. And he's like, they're coming at like I've already lost my mom to them I'm not losing my dad too so he's like trying to like calm down yeah so they gather up together and uh, they gather up with Axe who obviously is is their Andalite buddy not obviously but just a recap he's their Andalite buddy and he basically Mm -hmm. is like yo Eric could be an android like that's my best guess and they're like okay well we would need to kind of know because their their whole thing is like like clearly he glitched out so he must have some sort of holographic projection that makes it like makes him look human allowing mm-hmm. him to blend in so they're like well what can see through that and cassie 
the fucking gene animal genius she is is like <laughs> oh and i was like i like i was i was just as lost as like you might be when you think of like what animal could potentially see through a hologram i was like i don't uh-huh. fucking know uh-huh. apparently a wolf spider okay apparently so marco and x choose choose to morph as wolf spiders they fly out to uh, a lake in the mountains where the sharing is holding like a water skiing party that's where they morph and their spider eyes can see that the, through Eric's skin, and he and they confirm that he is an android. He's got like these weird like dog like paws mm-hmm. uh, that you can see like underneath like like basically the skin of his like shins and stuff. Um, wow. Okay. And they're like, "Oh snap! This is wild." Marco's like, "I knew it. I I basically I knew something was weird about him." And then he gets eaten by a crow. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, you know, typical day. <laughs> yeah, typical day for Marco. He, he like, typical couple days for Marco. He morphs into a dog. He smells somebody that ain't got no smell. Freaks out about it. Gets his, his red-tailed hawk buddy to watch him get hit by a, bu- not Marco, but Eric, get hit by a bus. And then he morphs into a wolf spider and is, like, triumphant and then gets eaten by a crow. He's dying. He begins to think of his mother, and that gives him the ability to demorph so that he bursts out of the crow like fucking aliens. And he morphs back to human, and he is discovered by Eric. Okay. Eric basically watches him morph back to human. Oh, no. And Eric is like, aha, one of the Andalite bandits. And Marco's like, oh, fuck. Like... Yep. That's game over for me. You gotta watch uh, where you morph, man. <laughs> but spoiler alert, this book series has like 40 more books, so this isn't the end. What? Are you sure? Maybe the other 40 books are just like recipes or something. <laughs> recipes on how to cook animorphs. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, absolutely sick. Um <laughs> So Eric is like, ha, you were, you're one of the Andalite bandits that have been giving Visitor 3 trouble. Uh, but Eric is like, yo, bring bring the rest of your friends to my house because actually I'm on your side. Fuck mm. the Yerks. Like, and, and Marco's like, uh, I don't know if I believe you, my dude, but like, I may have fucked this up. So I'm just going to take the opportunity to take the L and get the hell out of here while I can. So, so Marco goes home. He is obviously still traumatized from the fact that he was eaten by a crow and burst out of said crow. His dad tells him about a new job with the military at a place called Matcom and how like his mom, before she passed away, had a conversation with uh, him about like being taken away if you stay, stay in the military. And then Marco puts the pieces together to be like, oh, that's when that's that's what happened like that's when that's that's like a, a shining point of being like that my mom was a controller in that moment and then he mm. puts further pieces together to go that is why tom was like yo bring your dad because they want they want his not like not just him but also like his intelligence and also because visser one is marco's mom like that like tie the whole family together you know like mm-hmm. might as well grab the whole set make her happy right like i you know that's probably what like marco's mom is rebelling about when she's being controlled is that like her family is you know 
you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Marco relays the information. Everybody goes to Eric's house, but they're they're thinking that they've got a smart plan. So Rachel morphs into a grizzly bear, and Tobias stays outside as backup. And uh, everybody shows up, including Axe, who is who was morphed as a human. And they meet Eric and Eric's dad. And they go down to the basement, which goes way down further than your typical suburban uh, cul-de-sac basement would. Um, of course. And it goes to a huge underground park filled with dogs and androids playing together. Mm-hmm. And Eric explains that he and the other androids are called the Chi, which is spelled C-H-E-E. And they were created 100,000 years ago by these, these um, dog-like aliens called the, the Pemalites. I'd see the Pemalites or Permalites. Um, and Chi means friend in the Pemalite language. So basically, these androids look like dogs, which is why Eric like, went out of his way to go pet this dog. <laughs> that, that ended up being Marco. Um, so the Pemalites also were one of these species that, that ended up falling to... Uh, this other species called the Howlers, but the Pemalites were pacifists and they could not fight back. So basically they just got wiped out. Like they refused to fight. So the Howlers, which are like these like awful looking alien motherfuckers, like I need to find a picture of what they look like at one point. They've got like this weird lava-esque skin. Yeah, it's like, and they have like these blades on their arms and they make these awful sounds. Like they're basically just a killing machines, like Terminator, but like lava. Like, uh, basically. And so the Chi could not save their creators because they were like Android, uh, like three, three rules of, uh, robotics or whatever it's called. Um, so they couldn't fight. So they basically were like, we will take on the essence of our creators and we'll go somewhere else. Uh, and they basically found earth. And so they've been living on earth. They want to save earth because like, they like dogs, the the dogs remind them of the Pemalites and they're just like, well, we don't want this place to go fucking bad Mm -hmm. so what they've done is they've willingly become controllers and by that because they don't have organics they would go and take in a yerk and then just keep it trapped in them because it can't control them they don't have brains to control they can't Uh you know so basically they're just like yeah we'll become a controller just get in on here gotcha bitch like (laughs) basically it's like a walking trap i love it Yes. Uh, so they can, but they can read the Yerk's memories and they can keep the Yerk alive via their own Kandron arrays. Like they have like, they've set up an, their own system. And so when it time comes time for them to go back to the Yerk pool to keep the, the guys up, they just mm-hmm. project a hologram of a Yerk falling into the Yerk pool and then re-entering its ear later. Um, Eric and his dad reveal that the Yerks are working on this master computer that could infiltrate and rewrite all the software in Earth's computers so they can take over the computer network. It's, you know, totally out of your, like, mid-90s, like, military villain fantasy. Like, I'm going to control all the work, the, 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 the Earth's network so that, like, Dogecoin can be the one and true currency, like... (laughs) So let, let me think about what else happens in there. Cause like this book has a lot of exposition dump as you could probably already tell. Yeah. Um, the heart of the system is, is basically a Pemalite crystal, which is a, a computer processor in and of itself. So it looks like a mineral, but it actually is a controller. It is a, a computer in and of itself. Okay. So they got it. They've got it from some way. And this computer is po- powerful enough that it could remove the pacifist programming from the cheese so that they can fight like oh. physically fight 
alongside things. So they're like, oh, this is dope. Let's get that because then you and all your alien dog friends will like really be able to join the fight and not just Mm -hmm. like, like trap Yerks like a few at a time here and there. Right. They find out that this this crystal is guarded by the Hork-Bajir, which are the they they're like these they like they have like the bird beaks, but they're super muscly and they've got blades all over their arms, mm-hmm. which uh, they they are basically all controlled at this point um, by Yerks. So and it's in a room of total darkness and wires, so the slightest kind of touch, it's like it's like um heavy museum security kind of like. They've got the lasers and like touching anything or even putting a light on would cause a huge alarm. Okay. And Marco says he'll do it because the company his dad is working with is run by the Yerks. And if you can get the crystal, maybe they will leave his dad alone. So they try and figure it out. And Cassie's again is like, hey, I have the best way to do this. We morph into bats because, you know, they won't need to see necessarily and they Mm -hmm. probably won't bump into anything mm-hmm. so marco later gets a call from eric he's saying that the yurks are beefing up security and they have to strike that night uh so they fly out as owls they go to the matcom building axe is actually in a spider morph uh and rachel is a cockroach which i was like i forgot she had a cockroach morph they travel through the air ducts they almost get burned in the furnace and they get to the room where they can demorph and then they remorph into bats okay they uh get through the defenses but they can't navigate back with the crystal so because I guess it's like too big, I guess, to get into the vents or something like that. So they are just like, you know what? We played the stealth game on the way in. Let's play the loud game on the way out. So they morph into their battle morphs. They alert all of the alarms, all the Hork-Bajir and human controllers are coming in with rifles and stuff. Marco sees Eric outside right before the fight begins. They, there's a huge bloody battle and the animals start like basically ha- they they not dying, but like they are going to lose this fight. Like they are going to they are going to die if they don't like find a way to retreat. And then they're going to be like, well, we're going to lose this crystal, and we're really screwed because then they're going to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco is actually starting to die, and then he sees Eric outside, and then like he just wakes up and he's like in human form, and everyone is okay, and he's like, what happened? Jake is like, yeah, bud, you were dead. Second time in this book. I don't know how the hell it happened. Yeah. Eric gave you an electric shock to restart your heart. And, and Eric is like crying in a corner, basically. Okay, but they find out. I don't understand. What? <laughs> Never mind. What'd you say? No, going. no, what'd you say? I, I missed it. Well, because like, I don't understand Eric. I just, okay. <laughs> I just don't understand Eric, but. They are very empathetic androids. I'll just put it okay. that way if it okay. helps. That's, that's, I think, what it is. I'm just like, okay, you feel a lot of things, and I get it. But, uh-huh. like, also, you can get hit by a car and turn into metal, so what? <laughs> so they find out that, er- that Eric saw his friends losing this fight. Mm-hmm. He found the crystal, and he wrote, rewrote his programming and just had himself a murder party. Like, like murdered everyone. <laughs> everyone. <Nice>. Everyone. <laughs> he killed all of the controllers. And Eric was like, you know what? That's enough PTSD for my entire lifetime because I have, uh, what is it called? Is it is it eidetic memory or something like that? It's like, he, they can't forget. 
So he's going to live with the bloodshed that he caused for as long as he is powered on. Like he can't forget it. So he was like, yo, here's this crystal. Please take this away from me. I changed my programming back. We can't fight physically. We will fight peacefully alongside y'all. Like we'll, we'll do the recon and like that kind of stuff, but we're never going to fight again. Um, so a couple days later, Jake and Marco are at the beach throwing a Frisbee with, with Homer, Jake's dog. And Marco's like, hey, I happen to have the crystal with me. What do you think we should do with it? And the dogs are like, hey, we have ideas. And they snatch the crystal from Jake, from Marco and they throw it in the ocean. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. <laughs> I think like, that's not- one of my favorite things about Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the way you tell them or these books just in general, but mm-hmm. it's like this big thing happens, bam, and that's the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> you say like this big, huge thing, and then you're like, and that's mm-hmm. the end of the book. And I'm just like, yeah. of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be clear, they don't like just like grab it and like, haha, idiot, we have stolen this from you. Like they just like are like dogs and like shiny thing must take. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. go like into the water and then they don't have it anymore. Like they just dropped it in the water. Oops, our bad. So the Pamelite crystal, if it's not waterproof, is destroyed. Uh, if it is waterproof, then it's just in the water somewhere. Good luck finding it, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, so that is uh, that that is the end of the android where you find out that the Animorphs have themselves a new buddy to mm-hmm. kind of hang out with and help them fight. So it's it's kind of a wild time, but I'm trying to think of anything that kind of is kind of pointed out. Oh, so the way that Eric was named, he was named after an actual kid whose name is Eric King, who won a scholastic story contest. And so K.A. Applegate named the character Eric King after him. Like oh, okay. his his actual name is Eric King written that same way. So okay. that that when I said earlier, like I know why he's named that way, it's because of that. Like okay. it was one of those things where, like, as a kid, you're like, I could win that contest. And then you look up and you see that the contest happened three months ago. You're like, yeah. oh <laughs> never mind. I guess I can't win that contest. This is the first time in any of the books that an animorph is actually killed. And also, obviously, subsequently revived. Uh-huh. Um, uh, in between the events of the last couple of books, Assistant Principal Chapman ha- has now become Vice Principal Chapman. So he's moving up the ranks in the school. And um, uh, this also is the first time that they feature Marco with a new, shorter hairstyle. Okay. And that's because one of the editors found a new model for Marco because they not they actually like use like actual people on the cover of the book and they were like we found this really cute model for Marco but he's got short hair and the previous model had long hair and Mm so Kay Applegate wrote it into the book that Marco gets a haircut so it canonically made sense oh Um, yeah so which is like just just perfect yeah you know storytelling uh, and and keeping things nice and kosher uh, as far as that's concerned let's see marco refers to tobias as bird boy for the first time which is that that's like his nickname for like the majority of the series Uh uh and yeah there's one inconsistency that kind of points out that i kind of remember being like hold on a second eric calls the 
group the Animorphs, which like he shouldn't know that name because like mm-hmm. they no one would have said it to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like maybe there's some sort of like comeback to it where he's like, I was doing surveillance on y'all and I heard it, but like, oh okay. Anyway, that's like the one major like inconsistency on that particular front. But otherwise, probably one of my favorite books in the series because it's so. Flip flam flim flam flipping wild. Yeah. Um packed full of action. Yeah, basically. Basically. Uh any anything anything you want to say as a result of this? No, no, keep going. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, <clears throat> strap the heck in because the next one is called the Forgotten. Uh-oh. What and... forget? <laughs> this one uh, is narrated by Jake. This one is equally as wild, so please uh, feel free to, to, to pull the brake pad if you need to. Um, so what you need to know is that it starts with Jake at school square dancing with Rachel, his cousin, mm-hmm. in gym class, which like oh, no. is so like it's such a when I say that Kay Applegate is so good at her job. I really mean it because I read this first chapter and I was like, oh, I hate this. This is the worst. I know exactly what's happening and I hate it. Yeah. I mean, oof. I, if, I'm immediately put back to yes. middle school uh-huh. square dancing in gym class that oof. 100% happened. And I 100% wish I never remembered that that happened. <laughs> For those of you who may be listening and never had to do that in gym class, you were among the lucky people on earth because it was painful. Yeah. yeah. Side story. Very yes. quick. Shoot. Um, in high school, we had to take two semesters of gym class. Um, mm-hmm. Most people did that freshman and sophomore year. And I think it was freshman year, maybe sophomore year. I don't know. I don't remember. But we were paired up in the class and had to learn a dance and then teach it to the class. Ooh. Um, but someone, someone stole the boom box. So we never had to do it because we had no <laughs> way to play the music. <laughs> you just muted yourself. <laughs> that is an amazing story. What a great story um yeah no somebody is a hero and is like sitting in their living room right now having like a fucking cup of like like soup just thinking back to the time they stole the boom box and got away with it right first of all the fact that it was a boom box i mean because we're talking about 2001 two Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 2002 at the latest and yeah so we didn't have we couldn't just like pull up music on our phones or anything like that. I didn't even have a cell phone yet. Right. Um, and it couldn't do that. Um, Best, the worst but, case scenario is your teacher pulls out a hit clip and just like plays <laughs> the same six seconds over and over. That like, it's not like he was like, oh, I guess we can't do it today. We'll have to do it next week when I can bring in a new thing. It was just like, well, the boombox is gone. I guess we're not doing it. <laughs> also amazing also i never learned whatever dance i was supposed to have with my partner like we never did it Mm -hmm. i remember we looked at each other like fuck no i'm not like learning a dance with you that's no funny story though he ended up being my prom date okay anyway (laughs) (laughs) 
he's the one he's the one that did it he's like fuck no we're not doing this no amelia we're really not doing this. <laughs> so a quick side story uh, off of that because in grade school we had to coordinate a dance as well and i think it was me and two other kids and i am trying to remember like what happened but i remember that we ended up picking blue by eiffel 65 oh my uh, god yes and <laughs> it is the reason why i hate that song now I, I i think it's a fantastic song any other time but like whenever i think of it it triggers that memory and that's why mm-hmm. i hate it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the other members of our group refused to like help and so it really was just like Fucking group projects one oh, of damn. the kids talking to the teacher like having a conversation with the teacher during the performance and it was just me making something up on the fly no yes Grim. doing cartwheels and hand and round offs because I was like this is the best thing I can think of as young me and we did not do well on that project well as the so. other two shouldn't because they didn't fucking do anything anyway <laughs> Yep, it was a thing. Anyway, so Jake is st- square dancing with Rachel. Cassie shows up and starts making fun of him, but he ends up roping her into some dosey do work. And uh, while they're having a good time, Cassie, who you might as well just call her Cassie Bond at this point, slips uh, uh, basically a quick note into Jake's ear, basically saying, We should talk to Tobias, something big's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, like in the midst of like this embarrassing situation in class, she figures out a way to just like lean in like she's in a fucking spy film and just being be like, the crow has landed, the crow has landed. <laughs> like, so Jake is like, cool. All of a sudden he's falling through trees, snatching branches. He's swinging around with monkeys and he's like, what? The- I was literally just in gym class. How did I get here? What's mm-hmm. going on? And then he's mm-hmm. back and he's like, okay, that was pretty high on the weird scale considering we're in a full-scale alien secret war as teenagers so i'll tell my friends about this later um (laughs) so he walks home with marco he spot they spot tobias up in the sky because like what other red-tailed hawk is going to be like kind of circling them hanging out you know like Mm -hmm. anyone else is probably going to be like oh that red-tailed hawk's probably like looking for a meal but like they know it's him Mm -hmm. um also he can thought speak so he's probably like yo it's me and he actually does. He tells them to hurry the fuck up. Uh, they, they, they go to Marco's house. They morph into the bird of prey morph so they can go around. And Tobias is like, yo, we're going to a safe way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, because something with the controllers is going on over there. And he says something busted a wall and caused a huge commotion. And the Yerks are working really, really quickly to like fix this, this situation. Mm-hmm. And Jake is like, that's cool. I'm having another vision. I'm in the darkness and uh, I'm face to face with a giant like jungle cat. And then he's back. He's like, am I losing my mind? Is like the stress of this war, like literally like turning me insane. So he doesn't really say anything, but they keep going. They fly to the woods. They demorph. They find Axe. And they're like, we're going to morph into flies to get in because they'll be rotting food in the store and it will be easier that way to cover, which like I could never imagine being like a fly is a good call. Like there are too many people on this planet that are very good at spotting flies, myself included, to like really <laughs> think that's a safe play. Um, right? Go as, go as a gnat or a fruit fly, they're harder to hit. I oh, feel yeah. Like. 
um but anyway pinned down because they're so tiny and fast right and like your traditional like your traditional fly swatter is going to be much harder to get though get mm-hmm. them you know mm-hmm. i speak from experience there was like a, a fruit fly hanging around my computer for like two weeks and i was like uh-huh. it can't be the same one but i feel like it's the same one and like we've i think we've talked about this and i haven't talked about it on stream like my quick my quick pivot to talk about my my thing about like bugs and stuff yeah is like I don't mind if they're in my house necessarily. Uh-huh. It's when they insist on being in my specific space that I have a problem. Yeah. Like I know that like it's kind of a fact of life that if you own if you own like if you live in a property, you probably have like several spiders in there at any given time. Oh yeah. As long as they hang out up in the corner where I don't have to see them or they're not like dropping in my face or anything like that, then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's the minute that they insist on like following me places that I'm like, you mm-hmm. gotta go. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like not to freak anyone out. I'm sorry if you have an arachnophobia, but I like got out of the shower the other day and a spider was crawling on the outside of the shower curtain. And I was like, you're gonna get out of here. And then like I went to like move it and it started crawling towards my hand and I was like, nope, you gotta go. I'm sorry. Yeah. You've shown like you, if you're coming at me, you gotta go. Yep. So anyway, they go there, they morph into house flights, Tobias is guiding them, but they're they're trying to dodge raindrops and they're passing through rushing cars. Jake is hit by a raindrop, he spins out of control. He's about to get hit by a windshield, and now he's a kid throwing a spear. And in a split second, then he comes back. A downdraft saves him from the windshield and they reach the grocery store. So they're like, Jake is like, I'm losing it. I think I'm flipping losing it at this point. Mm -hmm. They find out that the reason that the Yerks are moving so quickly is that they were trying out a new bug fighter and it was George's first day on the controls. And he was like, I got it. I got it. And then he cracked into a wall and was like, (laughs) I don't got it. Classic. So they're gonna steal it to expose the Yerks. Like their plan is mm-hmm. to be like, look, it's this UFO. There's like shit going on. Like mm-hmm. somebody pay attention. Like so that way maybe we don't we have to be the head of the this whole huge war. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna try and do that. Uh Jake is still trying to grasp with the visions that are going on. He thinks that he's got like some sort of thing. They hear gunshots outside. Jake gets Tobias to fly it in, fly in there. Uh, they seal it shut. They start to take off, but radar catches them, and two F-16s are heading their way. Oh, so they wow. fly up higher into space. They see the blade ship coming from them, and the two ships fight, like the ship that, that Jake and Tobias are in and the blade ship, fire their dracon beams and hit at the same time of like course. like those like that that movie bit where like yeah, yeah not yeah. not not like the the beams hit the ships but like mm-hmm. it the beams themselves collide hit each other yeah yeah yes. of course explosion of light the ships spin out of control they head back down to earth and crash mm-hmm. jake wakes up in a jungle beetles and ants are crawling on him he gets them off tobias finds him and they he leads them to the others and uh, the the bug fighter. They figure out that they have crashed probably somewhere over South America, so they're not even in America anymore. Oh, um, Axe explains that what happened when the two dragon beams were fired and hit at the same time, it created a phenomenon that they call a Sario Rip. S-A-R-I-O, Sario Rip. Okay. It's a rift in the fabric of space-time, and it sent them either forwards or backwards in time, and there's no way for them to know which. So it's them and Visser 3, who was on the blade ship, and probably okay. whoever, like, the minions that he had as well. Okay. 
So they're trying to figure out what to do. Axe was like, we're being watched. Tobias is like, well, I have the best eyes, so I'm going to go check it out. And then all of a sudden, he realizes that a spear is flying it. Jake realizes a spear is flying at his head. Mm-hmm. He's able to duck. And Tobias is like, it was some kids that were being chased by a hork So they're trying to, like, you know, you know, hit whatever moves so they can get out of there. Uh-huh. Um, Jake is like, I don't know what to do. So X just, like, figure out how to make it so that the Yerks can't fly the bug fighter because he doesn't want them to basically just leave them in the lurch, you know? Um, Cause I'm sure the Yerks are trying to be like, well, we're just going to get out of here, figure out where we, where it is that we can go figure out if we can just like, they're probably more technically, technologically advanced, probably know what a Sario rip is and how to fix it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jake and Rachel go back to help Axe. Uh, Rachel can't keep up. So they get separated. Jake is bitten by a poisonous snake, but he demorphs and finds out that the demorphing removes the venom from his body. Um, okay. Yeah. So another like way to like heal essentially. Yeah. That's um, yeah. Tobias tells Jake that Rachel's in trouble. He finds her still as a grizzly bear. She's out cold and she's being basically eaten by fire ants. Jake tells Tobias to find more ants and Marco and Cassie appear in their wolf morts. He takes some bear fur to where Tobias finds more ants and he leads them back to Rachel to make the two swarms battle so that they don't pay attention to Rachel, they pay attention to each other. Mm-hmm. Rachel is able to wake up Demorph and she heads to a stream to wash off the ants, but uh, Cassie like basically like, yanks her out because there's a school of piranhas in there. Mm-hmm. Um, which like, honestly, knowing what I know about piranhas now, mm-hmm. you probably would have been fine. It's like if you were, well, no, actually now I think about it, it depends on like if she still had her blood on her. You know what oh, I mean? Like if okay. she was trying to wash wash blood on her, then uh-huh. it's probably a problem. But like it doesn't really say. Okay. Um, so they're looking for Axe. He's a spite. He's morphed into a spider monkey, and he's looking for. Uh, he's got the core of the bug fighter, so they can't get away. Basically, mm-hmm. they can't use it. So he's got the the, the computer core of it, so it's useless. Mm-hmm. Um, Axe leads the others to where he found the spider monkeys, and Jake says the exact same thing. He he says the exact same thing Marco said from the vision. That he was he was having so essentially he was having a vision about the stuff that's happening to him now okay. um he explained that the visions are fluctuations where the two simultaneous identical states of consciousness intersect outside of space-time so he thinks that they've gone about 24 hours into the past and they exist simultaneously in two separate locations oh fuck so we're doing time travel yeah time travel <laughs> comes into the play so basically what you need to know is that they need to fix it because the universe is gonna be, is basically being like, y'all got like 23 hours to fix this or I'm just gonna blow the fuck up because none of this shit can make sense. Like, yeah. That's that's what Axe basically says is like the universe will, be, will destroy itself because uh-huh. two of all of them cannot exist in the exact same time. Right. So that explains the visions. He was literally having visions from this situation happening before it happened okay to kind of simplify it i hope this makes sense like stop it does kind of but it's tripping my brain a little bit yeah it tripped my brain out because i was like i'm 13 and what is this like i have to pay attention (laughs) to all this shit what is happening there a a hork bajir and a human controller are like searching the jungle for the andalite bandits they fire uh, at a pig that they see and the beam keeps going and it slices through a tree the animals were hiding in. And they oh, escape. Uh, Jake is, barely gets out of there. And the hork are just firing everywhere, destroying things indiscriminately. Of course. So 
an anaconda all of a sudden drops from a tree, grabs a a horkbajir, the horkbajir that's shooting everywhere, and just mm-hmm. starts squeezing the life out of it. Yeah. And then it starts speaking up and going, you idiot, what are you doing? You could kill us too. It's Visor 3. Visor 3 has morphed into this giant anaconda. Oh, okay. I was um, like, it's got to be something. It's got to be n- sentient in some way. <laughs> no. So he said, so Visor 3 knows exactly that they need the bug fighter to recreate the Sario Rip and get home. Mm-hmm. So Jake is like, I've made a horrible error. I'm risking Axe's life. And now they're trapped. They travel as far as they can and demorph, but then they get surrounded by tribal hunters. And one of the leaders comes up to Jake, pointing at him and imitating a monkey, which uh, Jake kind of rationalizes is like, he thinks that the leader of the tribe saw him morph into a monkey. So he thinks that he's like an, a monkey spirit basically Mm, okay and he starts pointing an axe and like making a symbol that like jake interprets as a devil and jake is like not him the hork bajir also viscer three like he's trying to be like this one with us not them they bad Uh like that's what he's Uh trying to do Uh um i apologize if anyone finds that that simplified tone of speech is offensive i'm just trying to like because they're they're clearly using like pictures in dirt and like signs uh-huh. and like short shortened speech as opposed to like just being like yo yo my dude this is our this is our jungle like what the fuck are you doing here Can you yeah like, get the fuck out um yeah it starts raining uh the leader who they call polo like they just like peace out the animals shelter under a, street, a tree and they go to sleep because they're just like we're fucking tired like we know that like we only have a certain amount of time, but like we're exhausted. Right. We're, we're teenagers. We need more sleep, sleep. than yes. anybody else, mm-hmm. any other age group. <laughs> yep. Jake wakes up in the middle of the night because two glowing eyes are right up in his grill. And he's like, oh, uh, fuck. It's a goddamn motherfucking bitch ass Jaguar. And the Jaguar is like, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> it's not. It should be. I wish it was, but it's not. I know. Jaguar is like, who is you, bro? Not after yeah. dark. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jake uh, is terrified as as one would be who is sleeping and then all of a sudden wakes up with a Jaguar within striking distance. Mm-hmm. But he's able to acquire the Jaguar, which um, temporarily makes it docile. That's okay. how uh, acquiring a, the uh, an animal's DNA kind of calms them down a bit. Okay. So um, he basically wakes up the others to get them to do the same because then it will keep it docile for longer and possibly mm-hmm. give them a chance to escape. Mm-hmm. So they they do that. They get a safe distance away. They morph. Tobias is like, there's a light over there. The Yerks are working on the blade ship. They travel through the darkness basically being able to like admire the beauty of the rainforest as they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they see the Yerks dragging the bug fighter over there, but it's too late that they find out that it was a trap. They were expecting the Andalites, AKA the Animorphs to come there. The vines start coming to life. They start attacking the Animorphs. It's Visor 3 in another morph. Uh, it's called a, a, a Lurdathak. Okay. It's basically just like a giant vine creature. I'm going to see if I, if it doesn't, okay. It doesn't have a, um, an image to give you, but basically what you need to know is that it's from the hork homeworld. home world. So it's like him going and getting dangerous morphs from, you know, other home worlds. Oh, okay. He snatches up almost all of the other an- animorphs and swallows them and tells them that they're kept alive inside this pouch, but they won't be for long. Basically, he's like, I have these other ones at the mercy at, at my mercy. Surrender. Jake is basically out by himself. 
Polo and his people come to help. They throw poison tipped spears, but it doesn't really work against Fister Three. Jake is like, uh, I've got a plan. He demorphs and morphs the spider monkey. I'm assuming out of the view of Visitor 3, so he doesn't give himself away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like maybe they're like, you know, distracted by the, the natives. He, he morphs the spider monkey and he basically is just swinging through the tentacles and and like able to navigate them because he's a monkey. He, ye- he yells at Polo to throw him a spear. Jake grabs it and throws it right into his head, but then a tentacle whips towards Jake and wraps itself around his neck. Oh, um, no. He finds out that he's like he can't really escape it and now all of a sudden he's at a he's at a motel right before the whole thing happened and he says that they're calling the whole thing off so the next day jake talks to axe and is like here is everything Uh uh-huh axe explains to him that jake was murdered by viscer three but his Mm -hmm. consciousness merged with his still living other self and it allowed him to undo the events that caused the rip in a weird sort of way obviously that's exactly how that works right Mm -hmm. but because the events were never made to happen only jake knows so like Mm -hmm. as he's telling this to axe axe is like i don't none of this none of us remember this Mm -hmm. but jake can still morph the jaguar and the spider monkey the rest of them can't oh okay he says the whole thing was a disaster. Jake says the whole thing was a disaster. And the only reason they're still alive is because he got lucky. And then Axe basically says, my brother once said, it's a leader's job to be lucky. Success is just luck. And he hopes that Jake's luck doesn't run out. And that's the end of the book. Okay, that's a little more of like a gentle ending than mm-hmm. usual. <laughs> hey, you were, you were dead, but somehow a space-time MacGuffin saved your ass and you were lucky. So none of it happened (laughs) yeah no 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 it's still wild for sure it just it feels more like a conclusion to that storyline as opposed to like bam but uh you know there's always more to come obviously there's still Mm -hmm. 40 more books um (laughs) i think that this may be something that maybe i i I don't know if this is for true that um i'm trying to think of the way to say this i think that they basically I think I'll have to go back and read it because it's been a while since I've read this book, but like, I think they make a point to be like, Jake has these morphs, but I don't think he ever, if he does use them again, I think he basically reacquires them Mm. to make it seem like he actually had to reacquire them. I don't know. What you need to know is that this book is like a weird thing because essentially the entire events of it now occur in an alternate timeline where he went through with the mission because he's basically gone through the loop yeah i'm going the wrong direction gone through the loop so that it goes forward and got to the point where he could go and we're not gonna go because if we do go it's just gonna fuck everything up and we're just gonna end up in the same situation Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that weird point where like he could like he was at the crossroads where he could have forced the loop to continue and chose not to Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so i mean there's that uh it's it's not it's actually probably one of my least favorite books because again it just seemed like it was like here's all this action and jake is at the at the death's door and he's at the visitor's mercy and none of that shit actually happened yeah you know? so um there's there's a couple of inconsistencies in this book also that kind of made me go mm. they make a point to point out that when animorphs are morphing uh at least at this point with the exception of cassie Cassie, uh, who's very graceful and very good at morphing, 
can't really morph stuff like watches, glasses, earrings, that those things don't really just come with you. But for some reason, Jake has his watch when he demorphs from Falcon at one point, but it's like, he shouldn't have that because it shouldn't mm. incorporate with him. Like they, at one point they, they basically make it a point to be like, we need to figure out how to morph outfits because we're going to be naked otherwise all the time. Now it's going to be super fucking awkward because we're all like 13, 14 years old. So yeah. I feel like at any age that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. But like, especially coming of age. You know, it's like, a little bit more like, Illegal. one of them <laughs> yes that and also like one of them is my cousin this is weird i'm everyone's Ooh. naked this is weird yeah. um another inconsistency and they actually kind of i think they kind of like I, I don't remember which way they really go with this but like i mentioned earlier that like uh jake was able to morph out to to basically heal himself from poison mm-hmm. in uh the capture which I'm trying to remember which number book that one is. That one is actually previous. So that's book number six. He got poisoned, by he got roach poison and he couldn't get it out basically. Mm-hmm. So why did it work once but not? Yeah, it's kind of like a one of the things that yeah. slipped through the fingers. Uh, to, to read officially, Jake was unable to morph out of the roach poison instead only citing that the poison in his bloodstream, which was fatal to a roach, did not affect him as a human. But mm. So yeah, um, let's see here. Continuity editor, come yeah, on. Con- continuity sometimes is a weird, weird thing. And there's a couple of yeah. time, there's a couple of time goofs. Like chapter 19, it says that it's 6.49 p.m. A few pages later, chapter 20 begins with a time listed as 6.05 p.m. And I think that was just probably like a goof where they just meant to put seven and just put six. Yeah, um, something like that. But yeah, that's that's that book. Um like I said, it's probably one of my least favorite, but that doesn't mean it's not good, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's still a mm-hmm. good book. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one gets pretty fucking wild in a similar way. <laughs> but, yeah. Know, we may need to save that for another day. I think we, I think we should. I think we definitely should. So, um, th- those are those two books. I am very excited to talk about the next one which so we'll have to do this we'll have to do this sooner or later is called the reaction and it's a rachel book and rachel is one of my favorite characters in the entire series so like okay i i I think that it's it's gonna be real interesting to hit into that one so hopefully sooner or later all i'm gonna say is that there is a not jonathan taylor thomas in this book (laughs) okay i don't know his name is his name is Jeremy Jason McColl. And I was like, this is one-to-one Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot, you cannot tell me otherwise. It is a thousand percent. You can't say Jeremy Jason McColl and not have me be like, this is Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, it's like one of those, it's like one, like watching a TV show where like they will do things to root it in our reality, but mm-hmm. then they'll make up like, fake celebrities to not necessarily offend somebody you know right um so they'll be like oh Budweiser exists here we're gonna go to Burger King and have you heard that new single from from Jeremy Faze and you're like who the fuck is Jeremy Faze what right yeah (laughs) so anyway uh those are the books uh if y'all have any thoughts on them if you enjoy my fucking wild and crazy kids renditions of what's going on in these um you know how to hit us up a-S-W-A-Y-D-P-O-D at gmail.com if you want to stay anonymous. 
Otherwise, at Instagram or Twitter, we're semi-active over there. So feel free to like let us know. And we'll uh, happily rap at you about that. So, right. Amelia, what do you think of these two books? Yeah, the first one that we talked about, number 10, mm-hmm. um, sounds great. I get why you are into that one. The second one sounds interesting, but like a lot to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also because it wraps around and then ends up not happening, it's kind of like, I don't need to wrap my head around it because I don't need to carry this knowledge forward necessarily. But I also, I don't know, there's something interesting about the idea of telling a story that doesn't end up happening essentially or an alternate timeline yeah um, because it's like you know we can't really do that in real life of like um I know that this is gonna turn out badly so I'm gonna not do it um Mm -hmm. and and it's it's interesting to think about having that power to like oh that was fucked let's just rewind that shit (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and I will say this, that, like, the, the the first, like, 20 or so books does its best to throw the rules at you mm-hmm. in terms of the universe about, like, morphing yeah. and, like, time, like what time travel is going to be and, like, who the major players are and stuff. But it's one of those things that, like, you really have to understand that, for at least in the Animorphs universe... They're not rules. They're they're more so like guidelines. <laughs> because like shit happens that you're just like, okay, is that a goof? Is that an inconsistency? Or is that just like a one-time mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. goes on? Which is why I'm very excited to talk about the next book because it throws a lot of the previously established rules and says, yeah, but this is what happens when shit gets fucked up. Like really yeah. fucked up, you know? Like, right. so there's that. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, that's all I have to say about these two books for, for the foreseeable future. I hope you all had a great time. Yeah. And now, my favorite part of the episode. I didn't make up a theme song for it, but this is Amelia. What the fuck is this? Wow. All right. <laughs> I'm excited about this particular rendition. I had to partially run a small detail uh, about today's WTF past Amelia but when I tell y'all and this is gonna be like the it's like when a kid is so excited to tell you at the lunch table about this new joke he heard Uh and he's like telling it and Uh he's doing it well and Uh he's dying laughing and you're just Uh like okay yeah yeah like that's that's exactly what I'm setting myself up for but if y'all don't know me I don't give no fuck I'm doing it anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean we'll see I, yeah. This could be like you said that you were crying laughing about it. Yes, earlier. I did. So either I did say that. Either I will be crying laughing about it, or I will be like, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't pull any cool. punches. Don't pull any um, punches. I, no, I don't do that shit. But for those of you um, who don't know, uh, this is the part of the episode where I find something wild and crazy, kids on the internet, and I show it to Amelia without any context. So I'm gonna let Amelia enjoy this talk tick. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to give a, okay. I'm going to give a trigger warning at the beginning because why you spoiled this for me is because, or 
not totally spoiled, but why you like had to ask me a question about it is because it has someone making a retching sound in it. And I have a metaphobia, which is fear of vomit. So if you also have that, you may not want to listen to this, but, or you may not want to watch this when it comes I out will, on I, I was going to say, I will put, I will put a warning in the description um, on Instagram and in a, in a, um, as some sort of I'll, we'll figure out some sort of warning I can yeah. put on the actual um so you won't hear it in this audio clip so you can keep listening to the podcast so not a trigger warning for the podcast mm-hmm. um and I will let you know if it affected me at the end so yes. it may this may be way more overblown trigger warning than needs be but but I'd rather um, have it not need it than need it yes, not have it exactly yeah so this is the okay. most advanced Amelia has ever gotten and hopefully will ever get <laughs> on a WTF. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I really don't know what I'm about to see other than that someone makes a retching sound. And mm-hmm. um, I don't always love that, but I've kind of gotten over some of that. So mm-hmm. um, we shall see. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> did not have me crying laughing <gasps> the same way and um <laughs> uh this is very much juvenile dude humor but <laughs> I don't always enjoy that but I don't always hate it um and what I will say is that like the sound that you were referring to does not sound real so it's like <laughs> that's that's my biggest thing is I don't like hearing or seeing real mm-hmm. or very convincing because like on TV and movies, it's very convincing. Um, but um, so, yeah, I don't think most people would be triggered by it, but yeah. Okay. So anyway, but why I do find this funny is because we literally everyone has had a bad boss that, they want to do something mean like this too so it's 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 a tiktok of a uh mainly a person's feet walking and it says visited my boss on my day off and um this oh god um this person enters this establishment i i can't tell what kind of place it is but there's nobody at the front desk um and there's a stand-up fan going um, and he just walks up to it and farts into it. <laughs> and Shirk's dying at me explaining this. <laughs> and then he goes up to the counter, hits the little bell that's at the counter, and you hear somebody in the background going, be right with you. And then you see him walk out. I think this is a him. I guess I don't know. You walk out. Um, and all you could, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you just hear, I'm assuming that voice in the background that was going like, I'll be right with you, come, must come out. 
and smell the fart being blown in his direction <laughs> and makes like a and like <laughs> what is that <laughs> it's just such a stupid thing to do but also <sighs> like a very a pretty innocuous like prank to play on your boss um and for me, I wouldn't do this to a boss I liked, but I can see some dudes who would do this to a boss they do like because some guys are weird like that. Oh, um. <laughs> so I have to read some of the comments in this TikTok because this is this is oh, what keeps it still funny. And I, just, I saw this at like 10 this morning and I've just been laughing incessantly about it all fucking day. Oh, the comments. So, okay. Yeah, so the way he started running after he gagged, that, after I read that and saw him, like, pick up the pace after he hears it, is just, it fucking got me. That got me extra. Like, the, there's so much, like, it's, you know, you watch a video sometimes and it's like, this is funny because this, like, this reason. Uh-huh. There's so many things in this video that just do it for me. It's just the confidence in which he walks in he goes directly to the fan yep. and then just the fart just gets laid out. And it's not like a huge, like, no nasty, like, it's just like a pretty innocuous sounding, like, it almost sounds fake. Like, it almost sounds like it's yeah, fake. Yeah, well, and someone in the comments says it sounds like a mosquito. And yeah. I get what they mean. <laughs> and, then, and then he just walks up to the bell and just does like, it almost like he pulls his finger up. Like, he's like, this is going to be the move. Damn, like he yep. hits it super hard and uh-huh. then uh, like doesn't even hesitate like to doesn't just, even worry yep. to think that his boss might like come right around the corner be like right there he Ooh. just like which like leans a little bit to it might be like staged but like right but just like he walks out and I was like I feel like me if I were to do this I would walk the other direction because it seems like he goes past the window of the shop he just right yeah so, so like, like he must be really confident to hide it <laughs> right so it's like he must be confident either that his boss wouldn't see him or there's something in the window that would prevent him from being seen you know right. yeah and then just the just like as soon as he crosses the threshold you just hear the what the yeah. fuck is that fucking <laughs> one of the commenters said can't tell if you're really good friends with your boss and you prank each other for fun or if you hate him he and he said both he said both <laughs> But yeah, like the quick steps at the end of him, like trying to run away. <laughs> Some men just um, want to watch the world burn. You cropped us the whole office, mate. The gagging <laughs> laugh my ass off. That all, all of it, like if this was in a try not to laugh video, I would fail immediately. Like I also like somebody um, and, and I'll explain why I think this is funny because I feel like on its own, it's not great. But somebody commented, did I just witness a hate crime? <laughs> um, <laughs> which is funny, kind of funny, but also not a little problematic. But mm. why I think it's funny is because it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from The Office where Michael said something about like being the victim of a hate crime. And they're like, that's not a hate crime. And he's like, well, I hated it. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he doesn't understand what that means. Um mm-hmm oh my god (laughs) 
it got me heavy. Yeah. I, heavy. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, the internet. All right. Oh, wow, so, please. Yeah, y'all let me know if y'all thought uh, it was as funny as I did because, yo. I think what I found the funniest about it was you laughing about it. I will take that. I will take that because <laughs> as Amelia was watching it, I was playing it not on my computer screen, in my head, and it was uh-huh. killing me. Yep. Like, I was like, I might pass away here. Yeah. Like, Steph's gonna be like, so my my idiot husband died <laughs> because he saw some fart video and he laughed so hard he died. Like, how great is that? He died as he lived watching fart, fart videos. videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Ooh, right. Funny. <sighs> All right. So... Well, if you wanna, if you wanna reach us, you know how to do it. Um, you can reach me at Shake Meets World, and you can reach Sherrick at a Black Sparrow on um, all the things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Else? So uh, by the time that you were listening to this, there will be a twenty percent off sale in our shop. If you're listening to this as it drops, so mm-hmm. when y'all miss that. end, do you know? It ends, I believe, either the 28th or the 29th. It's, it's the 26th through the 29th. I will probably announce it, you know. Yeah, we'll uh, put some stuff up on our social media about Yeah, so you so know. you don't miss it. Yeah. I, I mean, you, if you want to miss it, you can. You can. It's not a problem. Right. But, yeah. you know, if I you do want to grab some stuff. I got a new shirt for the pod. Um, I'm not currently wearing it, but it is fabulous. It looks great. I will, I should post a picture of it on our Instagram so that you can Please see it bank. in the design. It's pretty great. And yeah, I'm, I've been impressed with Spreadshirt. I like, I like the quality. So Great. Loving that news because I don't want to put out low quality things. So shout yeah. out to you, Spreadshirt. We enjoy your stuff. Yeah. So I guess with that, I've been Amelia. I've been Sherrick and sometimes you're a coach in football and even your name is also the name of something that's football and you're like the worst coach in the history of sports as far as anybody knows and you're like a huge innocuous loser and then you're like convinced by a fellow coach to return the field for like one lost time and your wife is like suffering and stuff and he's like I won't ignore the family and he moves to Plainfield, Texas and he's trying to redeem himself and you're like I'm gonna get another time to improve my abysmal record and you're gonna coach this football team at Hardwood State University and you're with a team of misfits and you're like okay well great well I guess I'm gonna be the losingest coach here too and like the town souls are all leery of your, your approach but you use your unorthodox methods to like whip the ragtag group of like kids into shape on and off the field. You're like helping put their lives together and stuff. And you follow the winding road of the playoffs and the film gets to poke fun at the cliches and conventions of other sports flicks. And it does make progress so much that he actually makes it to the championship. And they face their fiercest opponents. Yes, because that's always how sports goes. And they yeah. earn to win the big game. And the comebacks case off against the, the unbeatables. The team is literally named the unbeatables, which tells me they're going to fucking lose. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Xavier Gate sports team has done the comeback to his ingenuity and orthodox message in the final showdown to have the best teams win. They are victorious. They beat the team that's unbeatable, which proved my fucking point from like 36 seconds ago. And then with you, your name is Lambo because Lambo Field, get it? It's a sports reference. And you're knocked down in a surprise attack by a bus and Freddie, the coach that was making fun of you, laughs and you groan in agony and that's the end of the movie. Okay, bye! <laughs>